Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Journey Within Podcast. I have a special guest on today, Hunter Strickland. And I'm sure some of you uh, listening probably remember Hunter as a, as a baseball player, and then others um, probably remember him as a founder of Aves. So we're going to be able to cover both topics with them today, and I'm looking forward because this is the uh, the first pro athlete that I've had on. So I'm I'm looking forward to finding out some of the uh, behind the scenes training and everything that goes on that people don't see when they see them play on TV. So how are you doing today, Hunter? I'm great, Mark. Thank you for having me. The honor's mine. So uh, again, I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks for thanks for coming on. So I guess to start, I guess some people know that you're a hunter, and some don't. I guess you kind of try to separate it when you're a baseball player, but when did you get into hunting? Oh, shoot. As far as back as I can remember, honestly, um, you know, I think some of my first memories were, um, with, with my dad and my brothers, I'm part of a, a pretty large family. I got four brothers and two sisters. Um, you know, and so some of my earliest childhood memories are, are out in the woods. You know, I know that's one thing that my dad kind of preached is, you know, um, just, just get outside, you know, um, enjoy the outdoors, go play sports. And I, I don't know if it was more or less him not wanting to hear us all, you know, tearing up the house mm-hmm. and just trying to kick us out of the house. Or if, you know, it was just a combination of, of the two and just a- introducing us to, to the outdoors. Um, you know, but for me, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's, you know, as far as the hunting aspect, that's, that's some of my earliest memories. Uh, you know, I remember my dad would, he would load our, you know, my brothers and I up and we would, we would go down to the hunting camp on weekends and stay in a, like a, a single, single room wood shed, essentially. Um, nothing, nothing high maintenance at all. Um, you know, but those are, those are moments that I cherish most, you know, that's, that's, that's essentially the foundation of, of how I began. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a prime example, I remember sitting in the deer stand with him with holding a BB gun, thinking we're going to see a deer. And, you know, obviously we didn't see a deer with me sitting up there in BB gun and can't, you know, can't keep myself quiet. But, you know, like I said, that was kind of the introduction for me and getting into the hunting um, lifestyle. And, um, yeah, I mean, some of the, you know, my most cherished memories for sure. So when you started out hunting, what what was your the first things you hunted was it whitetail was it waterfall what what was the passion when you were younger yeah it was it was whitetail that's that that's essentially what we started doing uh like i said i, I was sitting in the stand with him you know as far back as i can remember i couldn't i wasn't even at the age where i could hunt by myself um you know and then we, we you know as we grew a little older and i could i could start doing things on my own we would go uh rabbit hunting and i remember trekking through the briar patches with my brothers and my dad you know, chasing rabbits and running dogs and just, just loving life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not a care in the world, just, just out there with the people that's most important, you know, to you. And, and, and like I said, just loving life. Um, you know, and then that, that kind of transpired as we got older, um, you know, started branching off and going different routes. Um, you know, um, I, we, we started hunting with, with friends a little bit more and traveling a little bit more and, 
that's kind of when the the waterfowl addiction hit. Um, you know, a, a little backstory on that. I was walking through uh, squirrel hunting with one of my buddies on his his uh, property, and we come across a swamp. And there's a bunch of wood ducks that got up. We had no idea. I mean, it scared us to death when they got up. Uh-huh. Um, you know, had no clue what was going on, and then. You know, we, we, we saw a bunch of ducks and we was like, all right, well, we'll figure out how to hunt that. So, you know, I called, called a couple other of my brothers and the next morning, you know, we, we went out there and we, we had an incredible time, um, you know, and that, like I said, that's kind of where the, the addiction to, to waterfowl and that lifestyle, uh, started. So if you look, if you look now is, is waterfowl your favorite thing to hunt? I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, it's just because I, I think the, the camaraderie that, that, that you can, you know, you can experience with, uh, with others, you know, like I said, just, just being out there with people that mean most to you, um, you know, and, and now very fortunate to, to, you know, meet new people and hunt with new people and just kind of learning different lifestyles uh, across the country and across the world. I think it's, it's intriguing to me. Um, you know, and like I said, you know, I, I still love deer hunting. I still, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to go on a, a pretty cool elk hunt with my younger brother and had, had some success there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm a hunter in nature, you know, for sure, um, you know, across the board. And I, I love new experiences and new challenges. Um, but like I said, as far as the waterfowl hunting, um, it, it's, yeah, it, I, I, it's hard to top that for me. Now let's let's walk through here. So obviously you're a professional baseball player. So walk us walk us right. through like what high school looked like for you, all the way to to getting drafted. What what was that whole process like? Oh man, it's crazy. <laughs> it's uh, it, I mean it's it was it seems it's a long time ago now, you know. But it's it, it all goes so quickly. Um, you know, I, like I said, I grew up in a hometown, you know, a small hometown. Um, I mean, we we legitimately still have one red light. Um, you know, but so it was kind of one of those things that, uh, I've always loved sports. I grew up doing it. And like I said, my dad would kick us outside and we just had to figure out a way and, you know, we play with our, we play with each other and, you know, and, and get better. Um, you know, but I was, for some reason I was always, I just loved baseball. I was mm-hmm. always passionate about it love to do it. So, um, you know, it, it's every summer I can remember I was playing ball. We were traveling or something like that. And then, uh, you know, so it was, it was school, hunting, and baseball. That was that was my life growing up. Um, you know, that seems like I said as far as I can remember. Um, you know, so then take us into high school. You know, it, I, I didn't know anything about the draft or anything like that. Um, you know, I was just I, I loved to play the game. I loved to compete, and um, you know, I, I obviously knew I was starting to get a little bit better and better, but. I had no clue again about the draft and how that process worked. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so I, I, I knew, uh, you know, I, I liked school, but I knew that my, my passion and my, my vision, I had a one track mind at that point and it was baseball and I want to make it to the major leagues. And that was my, that was my dream and my goal. And, you know, I wasn't going to let anything come in between that. So, um, you know, so I kept working, I'd get up and, you know, before school run workout, after school run workout, you know, and then in between grow, you know, going out and building houses with, with my, my dad, and my brothers, that's, that's what we did. Um, you know, and so my senior year comes around, um, you know, we have a couple of scouts, you know, starting to show up at a few games or whatnot. And like I said, I, I still had no clue. I just wanted to play. I just loved competing. Um, you know, I, I signed um, I signed a contract to go to a junior college in Florida called Chipola um, solely because, like I said, my one track mind was to make it to the major leagues and play professional baseball. And so I knew I didn't want to commit. Uh, I didn't know. I knew I didn't want to go sign D1 because I'd have to commit for three years. Yeah. Now, my goal was to go play professional baseball. Um, also, fast forward a little bit towards the end of the season, I get a phone call. I'm, I'm actually it's kind of ironic. I'm actually on top of a house putting a roof on, um, with my, with my family. And I get a phone call from my advisor at the time. And he was like, congratulations. You know, you just been drafted by the Boston Red Sox, 18th round, so on, so on. Um, you know, so obviously I'm ecstatic, but you know, essentially don't know what to think. And uh-huh. still just a redneck kid in the middle of nowhere. Um, 
you know, so I tell my dad, get off the phone, tell my dad. He was like, you know, congrats. That's awesome. He's excited about it. And he's like, no, get back to work. And he's like, yeah, we got to finish this. You got to get back to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So there was no, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was an appreciation and a proud moment for him, I guess, but we still had a job to do. Um, you know, so we finished the day's work and, and moved on, um, you know, and I, I'm not sure the exact time frame, but, you know, not, not far after that, I had to, I had to pack up and, you know, pack a few bags and head to Florida, you know, 18 years old, no clue what I'm doing. Just go meet a whole, whole bunch of new people and start playing a game that, you know, that, that I love for the Red Sox. Uh-huh. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, it's been a, it, it has been an incredible, incredible journey, um, you know, which is, you know, essentially fitting for this podcast, the journey within, oh, because yeah. uh, the journey I've been on has been, it has been an incredible one and um, I'm beyond blessed for sure. So as you were drafted and I like, I love baseball and I love the Red Sox. So like through the whole, what was your favorite team growing up? Obviously you gotta be a Braves guy, right? Cause you're from Georgia. Yeah. I would say the Braves just because, you know, that's, that's our hometown. Um, you know, we're, we're roughly an hour or so South from, from Atlanta. So if we ever, you know, if we could ever get our, the seven kids to go to a, a game, it would have been a Braves game, uh-huh. um, you know, but that's kind of hard to, hard to do, you know, yeah, um, from, from, our, so, um, I, I would, yeah, I would have said the Braves, you know, but it was, it was one of those things where, um, I, I got drafted, it was 2007, you know, and the Red Sox had actually, actually won the world series as well. So there was a lot of excitement within that organization and, you know, just being new to that, I felt I felt honored to be a just just a very very small piece of something affiliated with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that whole ride was it was it was wild. You know, I'm starting to meet a lot of new guys. Um, you know, creating new friendships or uh, you know from guys around the world. You know? And then um, I had no idea. You know, as far as um, you know, the Latin community, um, yep. you know, so I'm starting to learn, learn Spanish and, and things like that. And it's a whole new world for me, essentially. Um, you know, so I played, uh, I believe it was like two, two and a half years with the Red Sox. And then lo and behold, I, I was traded to the Pittsburgh Pirates when I was in uh, low A with the Red Sox. So it's just one of them. It's just one of them. It's part of the game, obviously, but it's, it was my first experience to that. You know, mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a huge kind of wake cup call um it, i guess it was scary back in that moment just because i hadn't had no clue what to expect um you know and it, I, I created some friendships with there and then all of a sudden you know the next day you got to go to a new a, a new team so right. you know but you know over my career i have i've been very fortunate to create some great friends but i've i've also realized like the similarities that that hunting has with within the baseball community as well and just life in general like you know for instance like that transition you know getting traded to pittsburgh you know mm-hmm. there's always a transition within the hunting you know hunting hunting lifestyle as well you know whether whether you're chasing an animal or, or whatever the weather it, it may be um you know and I, I started to realize like you know we even though i'm from a small town like i share a lot of the same interests and passions as a lot of these other guys and you know, we're, we're very similar, um, and with a lot of things, you know, with, with faith and with family and, you know, we're just uh, all a bunch of kids at that point that just love to play the game of baseball. And, and we, we got to create a bond and just share that and, and just grow, um, essentially. So what was, how long did it take you from getting drafted to be able to get, to get called up for your first major league game? <laughs> Well, I got drafted in 2007, and my first call up was 2004, September 1st, 2014. So, what was so it was a that seven years in in between? What was what was your day or year like during that seven years? I mean, there was ups and downs, um, right. you know. But like I said earlier, I didn't know the difference. I just knew I wanted to play the game, and I was fortunate enough to to wake up and and play a game for a living. Um, you know, obviously at that point, like, you know, we, we joke about it now because uh, I would, you know, there was essentially six years or so where my W2, which at that point I had no clue what it was anyway, <laughs> was was like $4,000 for the year. And, it, you know, it, essentially nothing. So, you know, you're you're living off of whatever you signed 
for you know your signing bonus uh, out of the draft as well as whatever job you you do during the offseason. So you know, like I said, I would I would during the offseason I would pick up and and continue building houses and work for my family, as well as I got a substitute te- teaching job here at the local high school. So I was a twenty three year old kid substitute teaching high school kids. You know, it's it's kind of weird at the time, but I'm you know it, you you got to survive and you, you gotta you gotta work and just keep. Keep your nose down and grind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the way I looked at it. Um, you know, but the, yeah, that seven years was a. It, it, it was looking back, it was it was wild. Um, my my wife and you know they they tell me that I should write a book about the experiences for sure because you know we there was two years where I lived in inside the clubhouse on an air mattress with two other guys. You know, and it was a it was a thing where we would help help the club be washed the clothes. You know, to to earn our keep essentially. Um, you know, I remember staying in a, uh, a couple apartments for that matter, um, with five other guys, you know, and just, you live in the living rooms, you're trying to, trying to make ends meet and just play a game. But, you know, those are also some of the memories that I cherish mostly because I, I think that through the adversity and through that, that time period is really when you learn most about yourself and, and that's, you know, and, and you, you just, you, you learn to respect others. Um, I believe. Wow. So what, what was, what was the moment you got the call up? What, what could you, were you pitching? You had to be pitching great before that, right? Like something had to be going before you got the call up. Yeah. So, so look, 2013, I got designated by the Pittsburgh Pirates at the last week of spring training and then claimed by, the San Francisco Giants. I mean, it was a, it was a whirlwind for sure. I, I had no idea what was going on. I know I got designated. So I drove home from Florida spring training and I was staying in Augusta with my wife in an apartment. We had just gotten married not too long before that. Um, and she was still finishing up pharmacy school in Augusta for the university of Georgia. They had a small campus there. Um, so she was finishing that. I was staying with her. I figured that I, I had packed the truck up, figured I was, you know, the, the time frame was, was ticking down and we had like an hour left be- before I cleared waivers, essentially. And, and if I would have cleared waivers, I would have drove back to one of the Pittsburgh affiliates and just okay. continue playing for them, but not on the 40 man roster, I guess. Um, and so, and so, you know, we're outside by the truck, you know, getting ready to say goodbyes and I get a phone call. Um, from the San Francisco Giants, and they, lo and behold, they claim me. So, you know, it was a, it was an incredible blessing, but it was another one of those transitions that just took you by complete surprise. Um, you know, because my wife's in Augusta, I, I'm thinking I'm going to drive my truck that's already packed, uh-huh. and needless to say, I got to unpack my truck and fly across the country to San Jose and join uh, one of the Giants affiliates, and. You know, we were we, we were all for it. We we knew what we were, we knew what we got into, we knew what we signed up for, and we loved it. You know, that's all we knew. Um, you know, so I get on a plane, I fly to Augusta. She's finishing school, or I fly to San Jose. She's finishing school in Augusta, and um, it's one of my best years. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm having a great time and throwing the ball really well. And uh, then my elbow pops one game, mm-hmm. and so I. I realized something ain't, something ain't right there. You know, I'd already been through shoulder surgery with Pittsburgh a, a few years prior. Um, you know, and I realized, you know, your elbow is not supposed to pop when you're throwing. So um, I was in the, I was finishing the game. There was a guy on third base, I believe. And, I, you know, I wasn't at that point. I was like, all right, well, it's, and something's already messed up anyway. I'm not, I'm not going to lose this game for my team. The guy's on third base. We're going to get out of it. You know, so I just kind of just bit my lip and we, kept playing and got a ground out and finished the game. Um, you know, but that, you know, that, that was a, you know, that was a step back in my career for sure. Um, I, I ended up having Tommy John surgery um, a week or so after that. And, you know, was out the next 10 months. Oh, um, you know, so it, it, it's, it's a story that, that I couldn't have even dreamed of or, or written up for sure. Because the following year, 2014, I'm uh Spring training with the team, you know, rehabbing, getting getting my strength back, just starting to throw. You know, I start the I, I start the season. The season breaks. I start an extended spring training, which is essentially the bottom of the total pole. Uh-huh. 
Um, I start there. I start doing a couple games. I go to high A for a couple games and then get sent to double A. And I have a, you know, I have a pretty good year in double A. My wife, when she finished school, she comes out there with me. You know, like I said earlier, we're sharing an apartment with five guys and, and just, just living life the only way we knew how, uh-huh. um, you know, and come, you know, we were having a good season and come August 30th, I believe, uh, um, I get a phone call. It was like 12 at night. I get a phone call from the general manager of the Giants and he says, congratulations, you're going to join the team in um, Colorado. We'll fly you there tomorrow. And so that was, you know, it was, I get chills thinking about it because it, it, it feels like yesterday, you know, um, you know, it was a dream come true. It was something that, you know, since, since as long as I can remember that's, that was my goal. And it was, it was, it was paying off. We were getting that opportunity. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, it was really cool. You know, I, like I said, I get kind of choked up about it just because I got to share it with, with the ones that mean most. Um, my wife traveled with me, my parents flew out there, um, you know, and it was an incredible experience. And, you know, fast forward to that whirlwind of a, a month in September, we, we make the playoffs as a wild card and sure enough, go through the playoffs and, uh, and win the world series. I mean, it was, it was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's all I can say. I mean, to to start at square one that year and, and finish winning the World Series, it's like I said, you can't write it up. Oh, that's insane. Beyond, beyond grateful. So I, this is this is way back. But um, my dad and I, we used to always go to North Dakota bird hunting. We'd load up our dogs, drive out there. We'd hunt for seven to ten days just on plots land or, or public land or whatever we could. You'd hunt ducks in the morning. If the ducks were flying, you'd hunt pheasants and, and sharpies and everything in the afternoon. But we would always go, right. and it would be October, right? So the playoffs are on. And I remember right. you during those years when I would go out there because every time we get done hunting, we'd take care of our birds, and then you'd settle in, and it was always baseball season, right? Nothing beats post, <laughs> postseason baseball. And I remember you pitching while I was out there hunting. Like that was, that is so it's like one of those things. It's a, for me, like, I can't believe we're talking, right? Like the, at that point in time, I was just starting to get into the hunting industry. Um, and those trips wow. out there, we weren't, we weren't filming. Um, that was before I'd, right. I'd film burn hunts. Those are just when I'd go out there with my dad. And I remember seeing you run out of the bullpen and, and, and all that. I mean, for anybody that's, that doesn't know who Hunter Strickland, I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, like tall and, and like, <laughs> We built like a freight train. If you look at him, like he's the pitcher that's running out and you're like, oh man. Cause you know, he's going to be throwing some heat at you. Like that's like, <laughs> I, like I remember, I remember that. Like that's pretty, it's like full circle. It's pretty cool. So like during now all of a sudden you, you win the world series and I can't even imagine what that experience is, is like to go through all those years in the minor leagues and in, in high school and all the younger stuff. And finally you're like, you're at the, you're at the top when you were in the major leagues through your career um how like would you hunt as soon as the season's over were you ever able to sneak away during the season when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Um, rarely. You know, it's funny thinking about it because it kind of takes us into the, the, the how AVs got created. But I was I was very fortunate one year where my, my wife allowed us to stay in an RV. Um, you know, you know, living in in California, like it was, it was expensive and, um, we, we didn't have kids at the time and she agreed to, um, 
to stay in an RV and at a uh, a gun club called Martinez Gun Club. Uh-huh. And it was forty five minutes though outside the city, but there's an it's an incredible family that that runs the place. Um, we created some phenomenal relationships with them. We still keep in touch. Um, you know, but I would wake up and, 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 and shoot, some, shoot some clays and then come home at night after a game and nobody's there. You just turn the lights on and you're shooting, you're shooting some skeet at, you know, one o'clock in the morning. It was phenomenal. Um, you know, so as far as the, as far as hunting, like I didn't get to do a whole lot during the season because, you know, it, we had a game, we had practice in a game essentially every day. Um, you know, but we also, like I said earlier, I, I was, you know, there, there's guys around the league that share the same passion. So even though we're currently not out in the woods, like we're, we're sitting in the bullpen and that's all we're talking about, uh-huh. you know, and just passing time. And, and I, I guess, you know, dreaming about getting out there that fall, um, you know, and, and it was, it was a little disappointing, you know, those years because I never got to go dove hunting. Uh, my whole family, was September 1st back here in Georgia, they go dove hunting. Uh-huh. Whole big ordeal. Um, I never got to do it. So a part of me now, since I'm, I'm currently home right now, is like I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's, it, it's, it's wild. That's, that's crazy. And then obviously after the season would get over, you'd be able to get back and, and do a little bit. But then all of a sudden, like, so being a professional baseball player, what does the what did the off season look like for you? Like, what were your workouts? What like how often did you pitch during the off season? Because in baseball, if, especially when you were making late runs like that, there's not much of an off season before you turn around and get back at it again. Right. It, you know, it's definitely a full time job. There's there's no question about that, especially at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so for me, I would I would join a local gym. Um, I, I threw, I, I grew up throwing to a piece of plywood or a tire swing. Um, you know, so that was nothing new to me because I would just come home and throw it to a net. I mean, prime example, I legitimately still to this day have a mound and a net in my barn right now that I still throw off of, okay. um, you know, because I don't, I don't like, I, I have to get my work in no matter what. And, you know, being from a small town, like a, a little bit of that is limited in the opportunities. So mm-hmm. I don't like having to rely on other people and, and put other people out of their way um, for me to get my work in. So I'll just find a way to to get it done. I mean, there was so, I, you know, like I said, I would join a local gym, get my workouts in, um, you know, and then go throw and run and, and just more or less do the things on my own. Um, you know, we, we put it we, we built a. Uh, we built a barn and we had, we put a gym in there and then just slowly, but surely over the course of the year, you accumulate more and more equipment. Um, you know, so, um, you know, it's just one of those things. So, so I, you know, I currently have a, a gym that we have in our basement now. And like I said, I'll throw in the barn. Um, you know, when I, when I have an opportunity, I will go, um, I'll still go out to the high school ball field and try to help out with those kids and, I'll get my work in at the same time as helping some other kids out, you know, and, and God willing, they can, you know, accomplish their dreams as well. So. And I, one question I didn't ask. So when you were in high school doing the, the summertime ball, was it a school team or were you on a travel team? Mostly a travel team. Okay. Yeah. I, I was never, I was never that, that kid where, um, where we paid a bunch of money to go play for the best team. You know, right. I, I just, I, I, like I said, we didn't, you know, we didn't really have a whole lot of money growing up. Um, you know, it was just, you know, my, my mom's got watching seven kids and working at the school and my dad's building houses. So, you know, we, we ate a lot of food, so we didn't have a bunch of money, uh-huh. um, you know, so it was, I was very fortunate to, to come on with a, a team out of McDonald's, Georgia. Um, you know, and we went to a couple big tournaments and, you know, God willing, I got I got seen by a Red Sox scout, and he stuck with me. You know, and it, it just takes that it takes that one person to give you that opportunity, and that's the way that's the way I personally always viewed it. Is like I, I'm going to control what I can. I know that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna work harder than everybody else, mm-hmm. and all I wanted was an opportunity. So I wasn't going to do anything to jeopardize that. And when I got the opportunity, it was essentially up to me. You know, uh, you know, like I said, God willing. 
Um, but it was essentially up to me to control what I can and to to make that dream a reality. Oh. You know, and was very fortunate to do that. So, like I said, I'm beyond grateful and blessed for all of it. So ex- explain where where along the process did the idea of AVs come and like how how did that whole process work? <laughs> okay, so uh, yeah, it was 2015. I was with the Giants. Uh-huh. Um, I was I was very fortunate to to meet and become really close friends with Jason Harrison, um, which was the founder of Kuyu. Um, Nathan Creeks, which is the founder of Kestrel Knives, and Chad Mendez, which is a he, he's a recently retired. Um, he actually just retired this year. UFC fighter and now runs uh, Fins and Feathers God Service. Uh-huh. Um, so I got super close to those guys, um, you know, and started started hanging out with them and you know, having them at, come to the games, leaving tickets for them, and just creating that relationship and that friendship, and then. You know, I, that that fall, I started wearing uh, Kuyu gear, mm-hmm. and I, I started deer hunting in it. You know, I, I went to Illinois, and uh, you know, in in climates that I had never been used to. You know, back here in Georgia, you know, and, and this gear was it was top notch. It was phenomenal. It kept me warm, and I was blown away by it. You know, um, so just continuing that that relationship and support system, and you know, and supporting his his venture and his company, um, you know, and then, so I started thinking about it over time. I was like, you know, I think it was 2016. I, I asked Jason, I said, why don't you, um, why don't you target the, the waterfowl market? Like, you know, Kuyu's just essentially a, it, you know, it's an ultralight mountain hunting, um, company, mm-hmm. you know, that's what they're, that's what they, they're passionate about and targeted. And Jason told me he's, you know, word for word, he said, it's a no brainer that the waterfowl industry needs this gear he says but that is not my passion my passion is the mountains and he was like in sheep hunting and etc he says so if i was to want to go into venture into waterfowl it would take away from what my passion is he was like but again it's a no-brainer that it needs it uh-huh. he says if that is your passion he says prove to me Prove to me how how big of a how passionate you are about it, um, you know. And and I will if, if you can do that. He says I will mentor you um, along the along along the way. Okay. And so you know that kind of you know it kind of a, a light bulb light bulb went off. Um, you know, and I was I was fired up about it just because, like I said, I you know I had become to know for the products a little bit, you know, and just just knew. Um, knew what Jason was doing and um but I was even more intrigued by the way he was doing business. You know, he he was essentially one of the first in that industry to to bypass the middleman and go direct to consumer. And so that kind of, you know, I, I never I, like I said earlier, I, I was just a redneck kid. I never considered myself a uh a businessman of any sort. You know, it was a I'm just a, just the kid going to Walmart every year and buying the gear that fails and you have to replace it every year. And so I was essentially tired of having to do that. Um, you know, and I, I seen an opportunity, um, to, to not have to do that as well as to, you know, to help out the other customers and the other people around the world that are doing the same thing that was living the same way I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I saw that opportunity, but fast forward a little bit, I knew obviously I'm, I'm in the middle of, playing baseball, I couldn't do it alone, um, which led me to think, and, you know, I, I had to prove to, to Jason that it was legit and it was a legit passion. So I thought of my brother, Rhett, you know, and, and Rhett and I, we grew up sharing a room together. Like we, we you know, we, we did everything together growing up, um, you know, and so we were always outdoors. We we're always, you know, hunting squirrels or whatever it would be in the backyard and just shared that same passion for the outdoors and for hunting and the, the same drive. So we started having conversations about it, you know, and I, I wasn't surprised at all. He was all in, um, you know, and, and loved the idea. So we made the connection with Jason. We started, uh, you know, introducing him to Jason. We started researching other products. We started uh, digging into how to create business models and how to, uh, uh, I guess, follow, follow the lead with, 
within what Jason was doing in the industry and, and but tweak it in a way that fit the waterfowl community. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we started doing that over the next course of the year. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier in 2016, our first meeting was actually in the RV my wife and I was living at in Martinez. So, you know, that was our first essential AVs meeting together. Um, you know, and then it, it, it transpired into as the, the fall came along, we created a little office in Red's Barn, you know, and that's where we started dissecting products and just, just, you know, continuing, continuing the growing, uh, phase of just business. Uh-huh. And, um, once we, once we did that, we met up with Jason again, um, in, this was in San Francisco, 2017. We, we legalized the company. We went full board with it. Um, and he made the, you know, he, like I said, he continued to mentor us along the way and he made the introduction with Tory. And for those of you that don't know, Tory is one of the leading manufacturers in the world. Uh, phenomenal at what they do and even, even more phenomenal people. Uh-huh. Um, you know, so for him to do that was, was a huge blessing because, um, they were, Kuyu was the only one within the industry that had access to, to Tory. Um, you know, and so it was a, it, it, like I said, it was a huge blessing. We, uh, he made the introduction. We started talking to Tory. We started creating a relationship with them. And I mean, to, 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 to the, you know, to the day, like our, our relationship with Tory has thrived. I mean, that company as a whole is, um, they're, they're phenomenal. Yeah, they're, they're, they're loyal. Um, they're honest people and they, they work incredibly hard. Um, for perfection is, is the only way that's acceptable for them. And we knew that that's what we wanted. Um, you know, we, we want to give our customer base nothing but perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that was, that kind of kickstarted that whole thing. And, and, you know, we, we, we've ran with it. We've, you know, we've obviously had ups and downs as, as anybody does, but like I said, it's, they are a loyal company and a, uh, just a, just that entire team is, is awesome and great people. Know when and where to hunt with HuntWise. No matter where I am in the world, I'm always dropping pins and tracking my adventures through their mapping features. And one of my favorite features that they have is RutCast. It's perfect to help me know when and where and exactly what stand to hunt during the rut. Search HuntWise in the App Store and use promo code MP25 to get 25% off a Pro or Elite HuntWise membership. Again, that's promo code MP25 for an additional 25% off their Pro or Elite HuntWise membership. Gotta check them out. From my Upland Slam in 2019 to the South America Waterfall Slam in 2022, Anytime I'm headed on a wing shooting adventure, I'm always picking up my Benelli shotgun. If you want to dominate the skies, shoot a Benelli. See their full line of Benelli shotguns online at BenelliUSA.com or drop into a retailer near you. Black Bear Bison or Whitetails, it doesn't matter where I'm going or what I'm hunting, Sever Broadhead has the right broadhead for me. They are the best expandable broadheads I've ever used. Give them a try. Right now, use promo code MP5 online at severbroadheads.com for an additional 5% off an already discounted product for the best possible deal. Again, that's MP5 at severbroadheads.com. No matter where I'm hunting in the world, I'm always wearing my Mindel boots. I guess you could say I sort of live in my Mindel hunting boots. And right now at mindelusa.com, using promo code MPJourney, you can get a free pair of hunting socks when you order your pair of boots. Again, that's promo code MPJourney at MindleUSA.com. Now back to the journey within. Um, okay, so how, how obviously, how did you come up with the name of Avies? Well, we started, okay, so we started researching, um, you know, different things. Well, like I said, we, we were new to this. We were new to the entrepreneurship, um, you know, way of life and just that whole ordeal. We, we, we like I said, we just were redneck kids you know and but becoming more intrigued by the entire process Mm -hmm. and so we started researching and started you know what makes the most sense and we knew like waterfowl is our passion and so you know avies is essentially it it, it 
is the classification all birds fall under. Mm-hmm. And we knew we knew moving forward that we want to we don't want to limit ourselves on specifically waterfowl. You know, as as a as a any smart business would do, we thought at that time that we we would have the opportunity to expand. And so we just thought that it would be you know the, it's essentially the Latin word for birds. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- we thought that that was just a perfect fit. We thought it was you know extremely professional, but also simple. You know, we, we didn't want to over overthink it too much, but also allow ourselves opportunity to to move forward. Oh, that's awesome. So how how did the pattern, like the first the first camel pattern come to be at Avies? <laughs> like it's it, like I know I know the story and I think it's awesome. That's why I just like to, to repeat it and hear it from from you and 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 then eventually Rhett like right. hear, hear the story of how it all came because I think that'll come full circle for a lot of people that see it. Well, it's wild, you know, it, it is wild. And it's looking back on it is so simple and I don't know why it's never been done. Um, you know, the traditional camouflages out there are, it, it's a, it's essentially a, a picture of the trees and the weeds or, or, you know, the buck brush or yeah. whatever it may be, which, which looks great to the human eye. You know, it looks like you completely blend in, you know, but our thought process in, and, and, you know, Rhett was Rhett was actually hunting with a buddy of his, and he 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 made a comment. He says, "Why?" He, Harry he made a comment. He says, "It's so hard to find a mallard hen when you shoot her, and you don't go pick her up right away." Yep. And which is so true. I mean, the the colors on within that bird are phenomenal. And so we started digging. And we started thinking about it. It's it's God's creation. So the mallard hen is. She's camouflaged for that reason, to hide on the nest from predators, you know, for her eggs. And so we was like, okay, that's, I mean, it's God's creation. It's, of course, it's perfect, uh-huh. was, was the way we thought of it. So we started, we started, we took a drone, we took a picture of a mallard hen that we had, you know, the, the breast, the breast feathers, the wings. Um, then we, we, we put it on a, a, a big sheet of fabric. I legitimately went out and laid in the field and laid in the swamp and Rhett took his drone above us and went from different angles and was flying over us, getting different pictures. And we would dissect that. And I mean, it was a process, don't get me wrong, you know, but then we, you know, come to find out, we, we started learning about the micros and, and macros within the camouflage pattern, uh-huh. you know? And so we, we had to, um, we had to incorporate a Canadian goose wing that is from one of the mounted geese that I have. Um, you know, so we, we incorporated that started just kind of tweaking it here and there within, within the pictures and putting it on the fabrics and doing the same thing. Um, you know, putting it on a sheet of fabric, going to lay in the middle of the field, and get however many ticks you can get and, uh, let him fly his drone over and let's just figure out what works from, from each depth and, you know, each yardage marker from a duck's perspective. Uh-huh. Because at the end of the day, we're not trying to hide from the human eye. We're trying to hide from the duck, you know, and when a duck's flying in, it, it's, there, there's so many details, you know, that, that come into play, but, you know, she doesn't, or the, the, the species or bird essentially doesn't see what the human eye sees. It, it sees the top of the reeds. You know, and then the mud below it, yep. or it's you know, and, and so it's completely different from the human eye of it. Um, you know, and that's where that just it, it, it blew our mind with with why hasn't this been done? Because you know, honey, we're trying to hide from the the animal. Yep. That's that's the name of the game. Um, it, you know, and that that's how we kind of you know, we eventually put it on some fabrics, you know, Torre and. and um, you know, and just ran with it and it's, it's turned out incredible. It is. So, I mean, I think everybody in the hunting industry has, has heard of Jason Harrison and, and starting at Sitka and then moving on and then starting Kuyu into the brand that it is today. Right. Um, the, the relationship that you had with Jason and just having him as a mentor, right? Because he, he, he built this model, this direct to consumer, high quality clothing model, um, what are some, some of the, the key things that you learned from Jason? What, what did he ask you that challenged your thinking? Like what are just overall in general, those types of things? Uh, I mean, Jason was a genius. Um, he, he was, he was more than a mentor. Uh, he was, 
he was legitimately one of my greatest friends. Um, you know, and it, it's it, it, it hurts that he's not here anymore. Uh, you know, for multiple reasons, for his family, things like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was he was super encouraging, super positive, outgoing. I mean, it was when you thought of a man's man and a businessman, like he was it to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like I said, I was blown away by the gear for sure, but I was more blown away by personally, by, by the, the way he conducted himself and business. And, you know, he, he did challenge us. Like, he, you know, from the, from the very beginning, he, he told us, he says, I could, I could very easily, give you all the access and all the data that you need and information and resources and blow this thing up for you. He says, but what good would that do? He says, that's not, that's not the process. That's not, that's not something that you would essentially be proud of. Uh-huh. Um, he says, you know, you're, you're not going to learn anything that way. So, you know, and, and for me, I didn't want anything given to me. I, I you know, I, I've, I've never wanted that, you know, and it's, it's more about if you go out there and earn it, it's going to mean a lot more in the long game. Um, and, and you'll be more passionate about it. And, um, you know, and so, so I was like, absolutely. Jason, like, I, again, I don't want you to give us anything. Mm-hmm. I, I want to prove to you that we can, we can do this and that, that we want this, um, you know, and that, you know, just as baseball, we want, we're going to make this dream become a reality as well. Um, you know, and so, you know, one thing that I just started watching him over time, and it wasn't a specific like thing that he was telling us. I just I would try to sit back and watch the way he conducted himself and his business. Um, and, and what I really, really found out was most important is your team, like yeah. the, the team that you that you have and the team that you surround yourself with is the most key component of it all. Um, you know, because this life is mo- is meant to be shared and if we share it with with great people and like-minded people then then you can thrive and you can do you can genuinely do good things for others and for your communities and for for the world and and just give back you know and that's really that's really my my most like my key takeaway from him of what he taught me um you know it's just just be a good person and work hard and and believe in yourself. No matter what anybody else says, believe in yourself and just do it. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing stopping you. And so, you know, like I said, I, I think that I think the most essential thing um, is is who you surround yourself with. One hundred percent. I think that that what you just said there, I think it's lost a lot in today's society, right? Like you can, you can achieve that. You can achieve anything. Yeah. There's going to be some hard times along the way, but if you put your head down and work hard and and believe in what you want to do, yeah, you're going to fail a little bit, but if you keep getting up, you're going to make it. Absolutely. 100%. So what does like, what's the next stage in life for you? Right. Like you're, you're, are, what, what, what does the transition look like? You've been doing baseball now for, I mean, your whole life really. Right. But what seriously in baseball for, for, let's see, almost 17 years, right. Between minor leagues and and major leagues. What does transition look like for you? Honestly, I I don't, I'm not a hundred percent. I'm still, I'm still training because I, you know, like you said, that's, that's who I am. Yep. Like that, you know, I, I, you know, a few years back, I always said baseball doesn't define me. That's not who I am. But, you know, I started really just taking a step back and digging deep. And it really is a part of who I am. Like, it's a huge part of who I am. And it's created who I am now. And and I'm grateful for that, you know. So and, and so, like I said, I, I'm still training because I don't want to I don't want to close the door that could potentially be there mm-hmm. but at the at, and i know i personally know i can still play and, and i miss competing uh-huh. but but even deeper than that this is the first my like my kids are growing up you know i've got three little girls now and they're they're not getting any younger and so although i can still compete and do that like i'm not i'm not willing to to leave them and and sacrifice what's most important in my uh-huh. life right this right in front of me yep you know um 
you know, cause the, the baseball lifestyle, like it's, it's incredible, but it's, it's also hard. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits from it, but at the end of the day, what's most precious to me is right in front of my face here at home. And that's my kids. And so, and, and my wife, like I'm, no matter what baseball can bring, it can't, it, I can't get the time back that I miss with them. Yep. Um, you know, and so I, I don't, I, I don't a hundred percent know, I, you know, I've got my, my finger in a couple of things as far as real estate. I've you know, since, since created navies and, and, and really diving deep into the business aspect and loving that, like I've, um, I, I've really enjoyed getting, getting into real estate and trying to, um, trying to just get into that venture a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, there, I also know that I want to give back to this community. Um, I, I, you know, like I said earlier, I'm still, I still throw to a net in my barn. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to give these kids an opportunity within our community and, and anybody that wants to travel in, I want to give them an opportunity to, to have something better and have an opportunity better and try to help them live a dream that I, that I was very fortunate to live, um, you know, and just give back any way I can. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that I, that I'm interested in and want to do, you know, as far as, uh, um, as far as that, but I, I know for a fact, I'm not willing to, um, to leave my family anymore. How old are your, are your kids? Six, almost four and almost two. Okay. Spread spread about every two years. So, there you go. And you got any plans right. for more or is three yet? No, that's it. We're okay. good. We're done. Okay. Um, you know, I, like I said earlier, I, I'm one of seven. So, you know, growing up in a big family, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always somebody you're fighting with and there's always somebody you're on good terms with and <laughs> enjoying. Um, you know, that's just the way of, way of your childhood. Yep. yep. But for us, my wife and I, we were talking and, you know, it was, it was one of those things like with my girls, like it, it's, there's, I personally believe there's nothing better in the world. Like the way that a little girl can change, change you is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, they definitely make you softer, um, but there's nothing more precious in the world to me. And so, like I said, I don't want to, I, I don't want, I don't want to miss what's most important. Um, you know, and it, it kind of, I don't know the way this year played out. It was, it was just so fitting. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I, I was, I was struggling. I started, I was in triple a with the reds, um, having a pretty rough year on the, on the mound. Yeah. And, um, I had a, I had a conversation with my wife and I said, look, I'm not going to quit because I don't believe in quitting anything you start. Um, I said, but I'm going to go out there. I don't know what's to come. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to leave everything I've got on the field. And I said, Whatever happens, happens. And I said, and come the end of the year, if if the good Lord wants us to play ball, I want I, I'm going to ask him to make it evidently clear that that's what we're supposed to be doing. But I'm not doing it without y'all right. come next year. Mm-hmm. And I said, and if he don't, if, if he if this isn't what we're supposed to be doing, then make it evidently clear that I shouldn't be here. And I, I mean, it's it, it's hard to even fathom, but t- within 12 hours later, I walk into the field and the first person I see was the manager calls me into the office and says, you know, unfortunately, we got to release you. I haven't seen anybody since that conversation, since that prayer. And he closed that door like that. Wow. And it was I mean, my, my manager was tearing up. He was telling me he was like, look, man, like you're supposed to be one crying here, not me, like so forth, like. You know, we had a great relationship as well. And I told him, I said, man, I, I've got a piece about this. You couldn't even understand. Like, and uh-huh. I told him the story, what, how, how it happened. I was like, the good Lord's got a plan. And I'm, you know, I don't know exactly which direction that's going to be. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to make myself available and I'm going to follow it and I'm going to work hard wherever that is. And, and ultimately I'm going to love on my family. Oh, that's great. So yeah, I, and I've, and I've got to, I've got to ask the question behind this. So when, I think when we talked, uh, about a year ago, right? Like you're, you're one of the, the professional athletes that doesn't have any social media. Can you go right. in, can you go into why, like tell, tell, tell everybody listening why you don't have social media in a social media age? Well, I did. I, I, I when I, the, the whole minor leagues and growing up, 
we, you know, we didn't have it. It was kind of new, new then. And when I got, when I first got into the big leagues, I, um, I did create, you know, a social media account and I was, I was pretty active on it and, and things, but you know, what I've noticed over those, you know, the course of those few years is there's a lot of benefits from it for, you know, business standpoints mm-hmm. and, and things like that. I mean, th- there's, there's no way around it. It's, it, it's a phenomenal tool for your business. Um, but what I also realized is when I started having kids and just, just watching people around you, you're constantly scrolling, you're constantly, mm-hmm. you know, you're constantly comparing yourself to somebody else's life that really essentially isn't even their life. It, it's potentially fake. Yep. Uh, most of it out there is fake, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so my thought process was like, why would I, why would I want to corrupt my, my mind and, and which essentially leads into your family's um, relationships. I said, you know, if I'm going to sit here and con- continuously scroll on something like one, I better be bettering myself because we only have one life on this, on this earth. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, I, I want to do everything I can to make the best of that, you know? And so I deleted it and, and uh, you know, and I, I wanted to, I didn't want to be the dad that sits on the couch and scrolls through social media and just, without even realizing it. I wanted to be present with my, with my girls and with my wife. And, and like I said, if I'm doing something that's away from them, it should be to, to better somebody, to better myself or somebody else. And as soon as I deleted it, it was the most peaceful thing. I I mean, I can't even explain it. It was, it was great. It was, was, you know, a lot of people say it's hard to delete it because you're, you're essentially addicted to it. Um, but it was one of the one of the best things I could have done at that time, you know. And, and like I said, there are great benefits for it, you know. And, and as far as as far as reaching other people outside of your your initial circle, um, for sure. And I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that. But the 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 stage of life I was at at that point, and with my kids, like I, it's again, that's not that was my priority. And, and I didn't want to sacrifice them. It's kind of the same situation I'm in now with baseball and do what, do I go back and play or do I, you know, do I move on and do something different? You know, it's the same, same aspect. Ultimately my family's most important and helping the community around us and bettering other people is, is what's most important. And if I can't do, if I can't do that while on social media, then I don't need social media. No, that's a good, that's a very very good point, and I think a lot of listeners here realize everything that you said is uh, extremely true, right? Social media is a great tool for for businesses and so forth, but if you look around you, man, most people are on their phones all the time. That's one of those things right. that takes away from what what really is important in life, and I think a lot of people get lost in that when they sit there on their phone. Absolutely, it's sad, honestly. Yep, yep. And I uh, so we we share a little bit, right? During COVID, I think every Everybody learned, right? During COVID, they learned, they they reprioritized life because it went from everybody right. doing doing what was normal and then all of a sudden everybody's home. Um, right. For me, like I, I went home and I was like, holy smokes, my kids are old, right? Like this, <laughs> like this Saturday, I'm, I'm now three days away from moving my oldest son into the University of Michigan. He got into the honors program there, so he's got to go to late summer school classes for the honors program. Oh, wow. And like, it was, it was one of those things, like at that time it was like, holy smokes, he's only a couple of years away from being out of the house, which is, which is here now. Um, right. my youngest at the time is like, holy smokes, we're, we're seven years away or whatever. And she's going to be out of the house. Now we're, now we're five years away, right? You're five years away from my youngest yeah. being yeah. out of the house. And then I always joke with my wife, like then all of a sudden we're just staring at each other. You go from, from, <laughs> from running kids around, like our, our kids are active. My youngest is, is crazy into sports, right? It's seven days a week in the sports. Like she has this, just, just this week, we were at basketball camp in the morning from eight till noon. And tonight she's got a scrimmage. And then on Saturday, she got a two day tournament and it's, it's nonstop. What I did right. during COVID is I, like a lot of people I reprioritized, right? Like I was, I was growing in the outdoor industry a lot of businesses, a lot of time on the road, but 
to grow those, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. Right. And for me, it's a, it's a brand. So they have to see you it's time on the road. It's, it's not only filming, which is the, the super fun part for being in the field and the hunting and filming. It's, it's the behind the scenes. Right. It's the meeting with partners. It's as you grow a brand, it's meeting with the retailers that are going to cover the brand. It's the suppliers. It's, it's all that stuff. And during COVID you have that chance to sit back. And I just realized, you know what? I'm going to like, I'm going to commit to, to the area and to, and to my kids. And I started coaching here. So like people that follow me now, like I, I'm not on the road filming from about mid November until April, right? Like you can follow my social and there, and there is no really new content going. Yeah. I may be able to sneak away for a, for a weekend and go down to Arkansas or whatever, but that's, that's, right. that's about it. So we built the schedule and it took a couple of years to do this, so, but I film aggressive for about six weeks in the spring. I come back I, and I live in Michigan. So anybody that lives in Michigan knows that, Hey, the summer here is, is what it's all about, right? Like these are the, the two and a half, three months and my kids are out of school. So yeah. I'm, I'm here for that. We're, we're, we've got basketball camps going on and so forth. But then in the winter, man, I coach at our middle school and I coach at our high school and I wouldn't change a thing about it. The only thing that I would change is I wish I would have started it 10 years before. Right. Like I get to spend, That's all. I get to spend a ton of time with, with, with my kids, my youngest, like, it's not the time in the gym, right? It's the time after practice right. or after the game that you're one-on-one in the car. Like we absolutely, we, we drive back and, and she's in middle school. Now she helps sits on the high school bench and it's after a long game road game, you don't get back to the high school till 11 and, and sitting there and you're talking about the game, but you're really talking about life too. Like those, right. are, those are the, those are the things that, I wish I would have started earlier. I cherish now and, and like the camps were running this week, we got around 70 girls and we live in a pretty small area. So having 70 girls in the gym and in a school system, that's only got about a thousand from 12 <laughs> all the way ground to kindergarten is pretty good. Right. And absolutely. And you look at that and they think we're learning basketball, but really as a, as a coach, you're, you're teaching life lessons. And exactly, man, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that at all. And, and some people think I'm crazy for right in the peak of a career, right? I'm on, I turn 40 in a week and, and right when I'm supposed to be in the peak, I take that time off. And I look as I'm not taking that time off because I'm building the person that I am at the same time. Absolutely. That is the, that's the biggest investment you could ever make Yeah, without a doubt. Yep. And I just, I love it. I'm, I'm happy for you. And I love it. And, and you're teaching winning and losing and, and, you know, they're going to have be a lot of failures, but if you fail, you just got to keep getting back up. Right. You only fail when you Absolutely. don't get back up. You can't, yeah. You can't be scared to take your rest and get back up. Like you said. Yep. Yep. No, it's, I, I completely agree with you. I think that's phenomenal. So it may not be this year. Hopefully you get the call and, and, and are playing somewhere in October. I know there's, for for a pitcher like you, there's always going to be a team that's going to be making a making a playoff run that needs that one more piece to come in, and and hopefully right. hopefully you get the call. So it may not be this year, but in the future, where where are some of the spots that you haven't waterfall hunted that you want to? Oh man, I, where do you begin? I guess um, you know I, I've obviously been to Arkansas. Um, I went to the Cape Cod and, and did the sea duck hunting. That was that. That was incredible experience. Um, I don't know. I've, I've always, I, you know, I don't know if it's just just waterfowl specifically or just as a whole, but Alaska has been a place that I've always wanted to go. And I just, I always said when I when I officially retire from baseball, like I really want to take a trip out there, yeah. you know, and just just do all of the above, um, you know. But but I, I, I'm essentially still new to it too because you know I, I'm only. I, for the past 17 years, I've only had, you know, a, a couple months at a time. So, you know, as, as getting married and having kids, you know, you, you kind of limit that your opportunity to travel because, you know, I've been gone for eight months out of the year already. Yep. Um, you know, which, you know, so like I said, it just takes me into, to the time period we're at right now and just enjoying it. Um, yeah, but I, you know, as, as far as waterfowl or hunting in general, like I, I want to, I want to hunt and I, I want to get out there as much as I can and meet new people and just, just share those experiences together. Because, you know, like I said before, the, the camaraderie and friendships you create and, and have, or that's the, that's the things that you're going to cherish mostly. 100%. 100%. Well, hopefully in the next year or so we can get in and share a camp together and, and hopefully shoot some ducks or something. I'm all in. You you let me know when. I like, like I said, I'm home for the foreseeable future. So, uh, 
Uh, yeah, I'd be, I'd be more than thrilled to do that. Well, that'd be awesome. Okay. So I got one more question. I like, as, as I go through podcasts, I jot down things. Am I going to ask? Am I going to not? I got to ask, and it's going to be like the weirdest thing, right? Okay. So Tommy, Tommy John surgery, like there, there's always this period to where you hear people say, okay, he's got Tommy John surgery. He's going to come back throwing harder. Is that, is it a true statement from a pitcher? Like I got to know because I'm a baseball fan. So I told you it was going to be a weird one, but it's one of those I sat there. Am I going to ask it? I am. Um, for, for me, yes, I did. Okay. Um, but it's not, I wouldn't put it on the actual surgery itself. You know, yes, you have a repaired, uh, a repaired elbow essentially, but I had, uh, you know, I guess it was 2011. I had rotator cuff surgery as well. And, and you know, I, I think it's the, I think it's a combination. I think it's a combination of the repair itself, but also you have a, essentially a year's worth of time to strictly train your body uh-huh. and get, stronger and eat right and, and really focus on that recovery and that strength phase. And I think that's what ultimately does it. You know, I, I hear a lot of things about kids nowadays, you know, and parents pushing, Oh, he should just have surgery. You know, I, I would not recommend that like, yeah. because it's not, it's not a guarantee. It's not an easy process. Um, you know, but it, it ultimately comes out to, to the individual themselves and the work they're willing to put in. Um, and I think that's what dictates the, the overall end result. Oh, okay. I had, to, yeah, I had to ask cause you hear, work yeah, cause you hear, you hear announcers all the time came back from Tommy John. He's throwing a couple miles an hour faster, but I, I like, I like that because I believe that too. Cause I mean, you only have four months off season, so I have to imagine right when the season's right. over, you got to take a couple of weeks just to just to rest, right? Like stop the, stop the grind to throw in and give your body a, a, a chance to recover for a couple of weeks before you get back into a short build time, as I probably call it to where you're like, man, I want to put on a couple more pounds of muscle. I need to build up my leg or I need to do whatever that, that part is. And then you right. gotta get back into the building up to be able to throw so many pitches. Oh yeah. Then it's another grind, you know, but I, I think, I, I don't know. I kind of look at myself as like an old school way. I, I, I I, I don't know. I, I enjoy the old school way of baseball, and those guys were so much tougher than we are now. Uh, I mean, it's those guys were throwing whatever you know, two hundred pitches a game yep. and throwing every day. You know, now I know it's a little bit. You know, there's a lot more aspects involved now, and a lot more money on the table and investments for for teams. But at the end of the day, we're we're still you know, somebody's got a, a bad fingernail. They're not pitching. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't I don't personally agree with that, but I also understand the investment side of it. So I just think just getting getting down and dirty and and, and you know working hard. Yep. I think that's that's ultimately what's going to take you to to where you want to go. Yep. One hundred percent. Well, perfect, Hunter. Thanks for your time today. And hopefully, we can we can circle up again here later in the in the hunting season, either after you went back and, and pitched in October, or you got back out there and, and had a shotgun in your hand. Either one sounds great to me. I appreciate the time, Mark. Perfect. Have a great day. Thanks for all your support and downloads. If you like this episode, please go and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, as that always helps. Do you want to book that hunt of a lifetime? Then give the team at Worldwide Trophy Adventures a call at 1-800-346-8747. Or if you want to start a tags portfolio for those limited entry tags, give the team a call at one 800 775 8247. Enjoy your journey.